0: It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a man whose name is synonymous with one of the most precious substances on earth, the Pearl. Earl the Pearl Monroe is a 1990 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a 1973 NBA champion with the New York Knicks and one of the greatest rosters. In professional basketball history, he was the number two overall selection in the 1967 NBA draft by the Baltimore Bullets, a four-time NBA All-Star whose number 15 is retired by the Knicks, and his number 10 is retired by the Washington Wizards. Mr. Monroe, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Carl, it's nice to be with you. Earl, I want to start sort of back in Philadelphia, where you became one of the most sought-after ballers of your era. Um, of course, when it came time to play in college, you chose Winston-Salem State to play for another legend, Coach Big House, Clarence Gaines. Can you talk about playing for Coach Gaines uh, and, and how you knew that that was the right choice for a young Earl Monroe?
1: Well, um, you know, I wasn't the most sought-after, you know, ball player in Philadelphia at the time, even uh, though know, I was, and that didn't the city and scoring uh, my senior year in high school, I didn't go to college right away. And um, a guy by the name of Leon Whitley, um, who had played at Winston-Salem, had recommended me to go you know, to coach games, uh, at first I didn't um, really want to go down because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life at that time. Um, and he approached me about six months later and I told him that I would go down if, in fact, a friend of mine could go down with me. And so Smitty and I got on the train and we went down to Winston-Salem. Um, we didn't, we hadn't met uh, Coach Gaines. We didn't know really what we were going to because for us it was really the first time that we had gone south. And uh, when we got down there, uh, we finally met Coach Gaines and we actually had to almost try out. Uh, for the team. So we stayed in the uh, gymnasium for about a week, um, working uh, working out, trying out, so to speak. And uh, at the end of the week, he, he came to us and said, uh, uh, You guys, I, I think we're going to keep you. And um, that's uh, what started the whole uh, relationship down there.
0: When you think about Philadelphia basketball, right, you think about there are maybe three or four cities that are synonymous with a specific style of basketball. How would you describe Philadelphia basketball?
1: Well, Philadelphia basketball was uh, more about um, tempo, um, more about organization, uh, understanding the game itself. Um, uh, A lot of us, we were taught, uh, once we started playing the game, by the guys who were older, um, we called them the old heads, and uh, we were the young guys. And um, when playing against them, you know, they more or less told us different things that we could have done better, you know, after the games. And we worked on those things. And then we became our own coach. Um, we, we played in tournaments and, and things of that nature. Uh, uh, we had a team called the Trotters at that time. Um, uh, uh, Smith, Steve Smith, um, John Anderson, Ronald Reese, uh, George Clinsley and with Wilkinson, and we coached ourselves. And we won a lot of tournaments and things of that nature, but I think the, the main thing, it got us to understand the game of basketball and understand understood the nuances of how to do different things and get better.
0: Philadelphia basketball certainly is marked by that. It's it's gonna, it's not gonna not going to be out-toughed, and it's not going to be out-organized still to this day. That's what I love about Philadelphia basketball. So, after Winston-Salem, uh, the Baltimore Bullets made you the number two overall draft selection in 1967. And that draft, just thinking about that draft, it's remarkable. You, Walt Frazier, Louis Dampier, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, do you remember the events leading up to that night and the nerves you must have had? Because as you indicated, just a few years beforehand, you weren't really sure what you wanted to do with your life. And here you were, primed to become one of the handful of guys who was going to get a chance to play at the highest level.
1: Well, you know, obviously, you know, our senior year uh, in, it was in Salem, we won the College Division Championship. Um, I was the leading scorer in the nation with over 40-some points a game. So I kind of realized, you know, even even the year before when I averaged 30 points a game, that uh, I had a good shot to to be playing in the NBA. Of course, back in those days, there weren't that many teams in the NBA. I don't know, maybe 13 or so. But um, it was a good chance that I was going to get an opportunity to, to play. Um, the Baltimore Bullets uh, scouted me out at the Pan American Trials. Um, I remember seeing them, of course, uh, I had seen scouts all year long, but I do remember talking to, um, Bob Ferry, who was a player at the time, but also a, a scout coach for them as well. Um, and, um, um and Jerry, Cl- Jerry, um, uh, Krause, who, uh, went on to uh, be with the, um, Chicago Bulls. Um, Jerry Krause is very instrumental in me getting to the Baltimore bullets and talking to them out there, uh, our NAIA team, uh, won the Pan American, uh, tournament. Um, and just so happened that I led the, um, tournament and scoring and assist. And I was the only person on my team that didn't, didn't get picked to go further. But that didn't deter, you know, the Baltimore Boys. They were looking for an attraction. They were looking for someone who could, you know, bring people into the stadium and uh, and there I was.
0: There you were, and there was one of the biggest, toughest Uh, most fearsome centers that you teamed with in Wes Unseld. And I think back to those still watching that tape. You and Wes Unseld on an inside-outside combination still seems magical. Can you talk to me about what it was like in those early years, getting to know Wes's style and and how long it took for that chemistry to to develop?
1: Well, in my um, rookie year, um, we had a, a team that was young Okay, the first part of the year we was we were last place team, but um, fortunately the, over the latter part of the, the year we were we played some pretty good basketball and uh, gave us the opportunity to you know that we could be better. Um, I was Rookie of the Year that year. Uh, He just kind of flow into West because West, you know, he was a rebounder. He was an you know, outlet passer, and he, he was all the people that uh, you know that I needed, so to speak. Um, of course, along with Gus Johnson, those guys kind of cleared the boards and got the ball out and made it easy to be out on the on the, on the you know outlet passes and things of that nature. So. It was easy to, to flow in with Wes uh, and, and that uh, relationship with Gus and Wes and Jack Maron and Kevin Lockery. Uh, we went from last place to first place in in the East. And um, from there, you know, we just kept on flowing.
0: We're talking with, of course, Earl the Pearl Monroe. Earl, I, I look back at all of those incredible unbelievable highlights. And I read the quotes that you've said throughout the years about how so much of what you were doing was just having fun with the ball, freelancing in the moment. Do you think an Earl the Pearl Monroe could ever happen again? I mean, the way that you played so fluidly and just went where the ball took you and allowed the scoring to happen, however it happened, could could Earl the Pearl Monroe ever happen again in this era of the NBA?
1: Well, I, I, I mean, it's e- it's easier nowadays. I mean, when you when you look at the game, I mean, this is you know essentially the game that I that I came into the NBA with. So, I mean, I see inflections of things that were done back in the '60s and '70s. You know, uh, as a part of uh, as a part of this game, um, the game today is uh, you know you have more isolation, you have more um, you know, individual type of things that uh, you know, that was kind of banned so to speak before I got into the league. But uh, you know, it makes it easy to look at this game because uh, you know, this is the game that I've seen through my own eyes most of my um playing days. Uh
0: after the nineteen seventy one season, Earl, you were traded from Baltimore to the Knicks. And that gave the Knicks and you uh, the two best players in that 1967 draft, you and Walt Frazier on one roster. What was it like to go from teaming with Wes Unseld to teaming with Walt Frazier in the backcourt, almost having to share the backcourt spotlight, what was called the the Rolls-Royce backcourt? Was that was that difficult, or were you just so excited to have a running mate that understood what you were doing?
1: Well, I- you know, it was, it was great to go, but, you know, the difference in being in Baltimore and the difference in being in New York was that, you know, Baltimore was my team. And, you know, it's a difference when you go someplace else and, and now you're just part of a team and you're you trying to fit in. So there's always, you know, a little bit of, uh, <laughs> uh, as we say, um, uh, some tears and some laughter. Um Baltimore, I enjoyed playing in Baltimore. Uh, We had a great team in Baltimore with the guys that I played with there. Uh, I was just lucky enough to go to another team that also had great players as well.
0: That's for sure. I mean, I look at that roster, not only you and Walt, but Willis Reed, Dave Busher, Bill Bradley, Jerry Lucas, Phil Jackson. What's the one thing about that championship team in 1973 that people don't talk about enough?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, it's just not much more that people can say about the team. You know, we're we're a talented team. I mean, what we have what five or six, you know, Hall of Famers on that team. Um, the team was a very in, intelligent team, a very uh, intellectual team, and uh, I think if anything, um, that was the biggest focus on. You know, that people don't focus on as much. Um, even though we won, that, you know, we were also very competitive. And, and in fact, we were a team. And, and to today, you know, we still feel as though we're that team. Uh, we get together at times and we still feel as though it was just yesterday that we were together.
0: One last question, Mr. Monroe What does it mean to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, first of all, you play basketball. And, and you know, for me at least, it, it wasn't a matter of trying to get to the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was a matter of, you know, playing and the camaraderie that you had with the with the other players that you had on your team. And also with the players that played in the league and such, because I think there was a much much more, um, uh, Close knit fraternity of basketball players overall at that time, but uh, you know now you know we you know we are playing and we kept, we finished playing and now we're in the Hall of Fame It's such a, It's a great feeling and uh, trying to do the different things that we need to do to try and um, keep on promoting the Hall of Fame because it's... It's the most prolific thing is about basketball. And uh, we're just happy to
0: do what we can do to make it happen. He's a 1990 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a 1973 NBA champion with that unbelievable New York Knicks team. And Earl the Pearl Monroe, thank you so much. We sincerely appreciate you, sir. Well, thank
1: you. I appreciate it. myself. take care.